being here. Um, if we're low in numbers in the evening, it's just something to pray about. Uh, not not for my sake, but for the church's sake and for everyone's sake. Um, evening meetings are good, and it's good for edification to consider God's word and what it has for us. Um, all scripture is given by inspiration. So we're in the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, my slideshow will probably come up soon. And uh, so we're in Ecclesiastes chapter one. You can open your Bibles uh, there. And we're covering verses four through 18 today. And in the text uh, before us, I'm still waiting for the slideshow. Um, in the text before us, uh, when I was studying in my NIV Bible, uh, it's a study Bible and it has uh, passage headings and they, they titled this, Everything is Meaningless. So that really, I hope that really just uh, blesses the hair right off your head. And uh, so that's the title I took for this message. And it's kind of tongue in cheek because uh, we, we have great hope as Christians, uh, but the text isn't uh, necessarily about that directly. So what I've done here is I've taken uh, three sections as, as kind of uh, naturally the flow of thought um, can be broken down into three sections that we'll see. And I have two slides for each section. And I have my comment starting out is um, if you have a coin, I didn't bring a coin, but I was going to, the coin has two faces and there's a face on each side and each face is looking at a totally opposite thing. Um, uh, so if Great, so there's the slideshow. Uh, and I'm not sure if my clicker will work with it, so that's okay, I'll just ask for the next slide um, when it's time. So yeah, there it is, uh, Ecclesiastes 1, 4 to 18, everything is meaningless. So you have, like I was saying, there's the two sides of the same uh, basic fact, and that's what I hope to do here. I've set up two slides for each of the three sections and for your memory and for structure, um, these sections in the Wearsby commentary are nothing has changed, nothing is new, and nothing is understood. And so we're gonna look at these thoughts and I'm gonna present the material and then some thoughts on it. Just another thing before I start is, um, in my life, I, I've come to think of problems this way, sort of, and that is if you describe a problem in enough details, you've solved the problem. Uh, you, you arrive at the solution just by the fact of looking at the problem in enough detail. And I think that's sort of in line with Ecclesiastes because it's, uh, it's a book that deals with some, yes, some heavy-duty philosophy and ideas about life under the sun, about life without God. That's what that phrase means. Rem remember, life under the sun is exclusion of God. And, uh, and Solomon presents this really as, as a, a burden and a, and a problem. And so we're gonna look at it from that angle. So uh, if we can continue into the scripture slides, I'll read the scriptures here in the NASB version because that seems to be what all the cool people read and I wanna fit in. So here we are, uh, verse four in the NASB. Uh, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also, the sun rises and the sun sets, and hastening to its place, it rises there again. Uh, a comment in the, in the commentary is that 
the sun is panting like a dog pants across the sky um, is the word translation blowing towards the south then turning toward the north the wind continues swirling along and on its circular courses the wind returns all all the rivers flow into the sea yet the sea is not full to the place where the rivers flow they flow again all things are wearisome man is not able to tell it the eye is not satisfied with seeing nor is the ear filled with hearing and i added here um, james 3 6 and the tongue is a fire the where the very world of iniquity i thought that was very fitting so i just added it the eye is not satisfied with he seeing nor is the ear filled with hearing and the tongue is a fire the very world of iniquity that which has been that which has been is that which will be and that which has been done is that which will be done so there is nothing new under the sun is there anything of which one might say see this it is new already it has existed for ages which were before us there is no remembrance of earlier things and also of the later things which will occur there will be for them no remembrance among those who will come later still and I the preacher have been king over Israel and Jerusalem and I set my mind to seek and to explore by wisdom concerning all that has been done under heaven it is a grievous task which God has given the sons of men to be afflicted with I have been I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun and behold it is vanity and striving after wind what is crooked cannot be straightened and what is lacking cannot be counted and in English we might say there's no sense in crying over spilt milk uh, I said to myself behold or in an English idiom I guess I should clarify I said to myself behold I have magnified and increased wisdom more than all who were over Jerusalem before me and my mind has observed a wealth of wisdom and knowledge and I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly and I realized that this also is striving after the wind you might remember Hevel is the word it's like Cain and Abel Abel might be related to that and it's vapor striving after the wind um, because in much wisdom there is much grief and increasing in knowledge results in increasing pain so that's the text before us here um, in the first section uh, it's just really the beginning of Ecclesiastes so I'll open in prayer now and we'll uh, get to the rest of the message okay dear Heavenly Father thank you for your word thank you for the wisdom that it contains I pray that tonight you would uh, help me and help us to treat your word with uh, reverence and diligence and uh, to realize its value in teaching and edifying us and uh, I pray for your blessing on this message that your will would be accomplished through it um, and that you would help me in uh, treating this well in Jesus name I pray amen so in the next slide uh, we're dealing with verses 4 to 7 which are the first uh, first section of these verses so we have 14 verses here's three of them and this title is life is an endless cycle and Wearsby has it nothing is changed so if it's a cycle and it just goes back to where it was it's a nothing has changed life is an endless cycle so uh, these are really orderly and structured verses if you look at them 
it talks about the earth and the sun and the wind and the sea in like this poetic, awesome, uh, orderly manner. And it's talking about the passage of time and the passage of uh, creation and the, the operation of creation. Or, or if, if it's life under the sun, I should really say nature. The, the, when you're just a, a person and you have your senses and you're looking at nature, you see these things. The earth is uh, always there, and generations come and go. And I think that that verse in particular, uh, generations coming and going, is, is one of the key verses of this passage because it's a contrast between the relentless, unstoppable operation of, the, of nature, of the earth, sun, wind, and sea, in contrast to the fleetingness of life because generations come and generations go. So we can do a little remembering here. Um, last year, I was in school at MBBI. Uh, you two weren't married. Um, two years ago, uh, Felix wasn't born, Camden wasn't born, and now we have these people and it's like, whoa, like life. And it, you, every time you turn around and look, I'm sure, I'm, I'm <laughs> still not even there yet. And when you turn around and look, I'm sure it's like, whoa, where did it go? Where did the time go? Um, and, and it really, every, every time. So life is, is like that for us when, when we consider it that way in, in retrospect. Uh, and also, so I say here, um, these comments are, f some of these are from Wearsby. He says, it's the voice of science. And I think that's true, because these are some non-trivial scientific statements. We learn these things in grade school about the solar system, about the water cycle, about the, how weather is and, and um, the seasons. This is like basic information that you need to know. And um, I don't, it's not the point, it's not the science, but it, it reminds me of scientists. And so I thought of uniformitarianism, which is a theory uh, that became popular in 1830, as it says, by Charles Lyell, who was a geologist, and Darwin was very much influenced by this man, who was a deist, um, not really a Christian strictly, but a deist. And so that idea of uniformitarianism is what gives us the old age earth theories that everything has been the same since the beginning and nothing ever changes. And that's the theory behind old age earth is that it's, it's, it's been going relentlessly. And it reminds me of this. We're informed by the Bible, but um, that, that was my comment. And I, I think if Solomon's looking at life under the sun as, an, as a naturalist per se, or a, an atheistic scientist, um, then he's coming to the same conclusion, I think, that uh, if, if you, all you had to look at was the sun going up and the sun going down, you might draw that conclusion. I have it here as a quote. The assumption that some natural laws and processes that operate everywhere in the universe now have always operated in the universe in the past and apply everywhere. And this has gotten people into trouble because they are not turning to the God's word to inform themselves. So if I could have um, if I could have the next slide, uh, this is a bit of an aside, and I think it's valuable because 
Uh, it's a really cool quote that I want you all to see. Uh, it says, what is the practical application of this book for us today? Is Ecclesiastes nothing but an interesting exhibit in a religious museum, or does it have a message for people in the space age? That dates uh, the commentary, but um, it is, its message is for, for today. After all, the society which Solomon investigated a millennium before the birth of Christ was not too different from our world today. Solomon saw injustice to the poor, crooked politics, incompetent leaders, guilty people allowed to commit more crime, materialism, and a desire for the good old days. It sounds up to date, doesn't it? Uh, I thought that was so awesome of a quote, I had to put it in, because the Bible itself as a whole is current, and it's old, and it's God's word, and it will stand forever. And um, so if I could have the next slide. Uh, this is my other side of the coin for life is an endless cycle. Is life really an endless cycle? And like I was trying to explain with this uniformitarianism thing, not to throw too much information at you, but uh, it can be. It can be uh, difficult. If, if, if it's life under the sun, I think it should be hard for people to, to look at life and reason with it, like Solomon found it difficult. He's, he's not saying it's, it's good. He's not saying life under the sun is a good thing. Um, and, that's, and that's, I think that's a good thing because we all need to turn to Christ. We all need to turn to God. And if, if creation with the curse does that, um, then that's, that's good. So outside of God's word, we're forced to rely on ourselves, our senses, our ability to reason, and our depravity is in there too. And people don't realize that. Um, and this is, this is Second uh, Peter 3, 3 to 7. This is my contrast, my biblical contrast to this, this life under the sun uh, comment. Uh, so it says, uh, I think this, this to me like blows the, the endless cycle thing out of the water. And we know that um, Second Peter chapter 3 is absolutely true. So here, here, it, um, here it is. Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they, main, for when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But the day of the Lord will come like, and this is verse 10, it's skipping a few, uh, and it says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. So notice in verse four of, of 2 Peter 3, the uniformitarianism the uniformitarians are there. It says they, they're mocking and they said, everything is just as it was since the beginning. And, and that's, the, that's the same thing. And I think back in Noah's time, there were probably a lot of those types of people around who said, rain, water from the sky, like, you crazy? Like, <laughs> that's not something that happens. Or today, if you say, well, Christ is gonna return and there's, not, there's gonna be fire and you, you need to turn to Christ now and escape that judgment, people are gonna say, 
God, that's God thing, no thanks. I don't, there, it's always been this way, it's always been the same. I believe in science, I believe in life under the sun, I believe in nothing ever changes. So I think there's this contrast in the Bible and it's, and it's reflected in reality that uh, life we know is not uniform and uneventful. Life is full of up and down and in the grand scale there was a flood, there's fire at the end. Creation has uh, got some very interesting and one-time events. Jesus only died once. And uh, so if you don't have God, if you don't have the Bible, life is monotonous and seems like an endless cycle. If you do have God, you do have the Bible, you have God's word, life is fresh and new. And so that is the next thing that uh, Solomon goes into. In this next slide is life is a heavy burden, and the reason for that is, as Wearsby has it, nothing is new. So if nothing has changed, nothing is also new. It follows. And so this is where Solomon goes. All things are wearisome, man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with hearing, nor is the ear, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. Um, this clearly flows from the previous passage, and the continuing theme is the monotony, the, mon the repetition of life. And um, like I, I keep having to say, life under the sun, because Solomon is looking at this as life without God. And I have to say, like, yeah, um, if all you live for is to wake up and go to work another day and maybe get to the weekend, and then on the weekend you can rest so you can kind of get up and go to work again, that sounds pretty... Uh, sounds pretty monotonous and repeti rep repetitive. So, um, here in this new section, there's a new theme that enters, and it's the theme of man trying to figure out what is in his own heart. And uh, I see that in um, people, in, in verse 10 it says, is there anything of which one might say, see, this is new? And I, and I see that in, uh, there's no specific name or face on it, but it, it says, there's no remembrance. He's talking about people remembering things. And uh, if you want to hear more about issues of the heart, I would recommend uh, some messages from John McKim. He basically just tells you the scriptures about man's heart for like an hour, and it's just scripture, and then he's like, yep, that was it. Um, and it's great. And uh, this, is, this is, yeah, you can see the outline of um, how you can see the struggle in man's heart in these verses, and that we want something new, we want newness, uh, and the world can't provide newness, and so there's this duping that goes on, we, we get duped into thinking, ah, I've got a new car, I've got a new iPhone, and see, this is new. And um, it's only surf on the surface, these are only surface changes. And there's this issue, I think this is a good thing, because we need Christ in order to experience this newness that we crave, that we desire, and um, if life under the sun had something that could fulfill the desires of the human heart, that would be a disaster, because then, um, then that, that would be terrible, because no one would be forced to find fulfillment in Christ. Um, forced is a Maybe not the best word, but you know what I mean. I hope you know what I mean. So, moving on to uh, 
my next slide, I'm not sure which order I had. Uh, so this is the flip side of the coin that I had. Is life really a heavy burden? And I'm saying yes. It can even be a heavy burden to Christians, but especially to those who aren't saved. It, I think this monotony weighs on people more than they know. And um, we have a reason to reach out to people who are in this kind of situation. And uh, my response is, is, is that in, in Christ, I've been saying it all along, that in Christ we have newness of life. And I have a, I have, I have a slide coming up. Uh, before that, I'll, I'll read this. It says, this is from Ravi Zacharias, uh, and it's a quote, and it says, I'm absolutely convinced that meaningless does not come from being weary of pain. Meaninglessness comes from being weary of pleasure. And that is why we find ourselves emptied of meaning when our pantries, with our pantries still full. I think there's a lot of truth to that. And people chase after things in order to fill this newness desire uh, and never filling it. And then materialism or whatever can enter and life becomes a heavy burden even when you have a lot of stuff. And this should destroy, practically speaking, anyone's philosophy of naturalism or evolution, because you should find fulfillment in that stuff if there is no God, but there is God. So you can see what I mean by, if you look at the problem really closely, then the solution makes itself clear. The solution is Christ. Um, the problem is that nothing in the world satisfies what's built into the heart of man. And I have some other passages here for the sake of time. I won't go into them. Um, and just moving on to the next slide. And this is a quote about uh, the newness that comes. It's from the commentary as well, and it was so, such a good quote, and I had to just put it in. And it, it's all the references, not all of them, but many of the references towards newness that are in the Bible that we have as promises, as, as being new creatures in Christ, as, as it says there. Uh, so I won't read that uh, verbatim, but I'm pointing you towards a good resource uh, and, and I, the value of that. And it's, we had a, something mentioned in Breaking a Bread a while back about newness, and, and it's good. It's not a burden. And uh, to be yoked to Christ is not a burden. And, and it, he says, come to me, ye who are heavy laden. And it's so pertinent to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is so pertinent to the rest of the Bible. And uh, this, these verses really connect to each other. So we'll go to the next slide. And so in this section, beginning at verse 12, um, I have put, salvation is not in wisdom. And if I can do the Wearsby one, it says, nothing is understood. And I say, salvation is not in wisdom. And this is the theme of these verses. And so Solomon, in the next chunk of verses, from verses 12 to 18, uh, it's actually, really, it's the beginning of chapter 2, I think, because it marks a, it's a sudden break. It says, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. It's like, it has nothing to do with the verse before it. So, uh, and God, Solomon makes three statements that show our power, powerlessness in the face of this. So if, if it's just me alone, and I'm looking at uh, nature, like I can't do anything about the operation of, like I was talking about, like Solomon was talking about, 
you know, the earth, the sun, the wind, the sea. Humans are powerless. Do they think we can stop a hurricane? Nope. Um, and, and this powerlessness, these points are all intermingled, I think. So here's three more statements that, that show us about our powerlessness. Um, or in the second point, our powerless, powerlessness of our own heart against itself. Because you, you can't beat fire with fire. Um, maybe that's a bad example, but um, you can't overcome your heart with what's in your heart. You know what I mean? You need God from outside to reach in. And, and so we have this powerlessness, this helplessness. And so Solomon is showing that with some statements. And uh, if you read verses 13 and 14, they're, they're pretty kind of grim. It says, it's a grievous task which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with, speaking of life itself. He calls it a grievous task and that it's an affliction. Um, that's... And it's from God. Life is from God. I don't, he, you can't really, uh, he's not trying to question that, which some people today have even tried to question. Um, but he's saying outside of God, it's a burden, uh, probably because it's of God. And he designed it with, with Christ in mind. And he designed it with a particular order in mind. And this is looking at life under the sun where God's will is absent. Um, and so verse 15 says, like I said, that you can't cry, you shouldn't cry over spilt milk. Not everything has a solution. What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. You want to count something that's not there? Count how many of those there are. How many nothings do you have? Uh, that's what the idiom is saying. And, and what is crooked cannot be straightened. That's probably a very practical crafts, craftsman um, text idiom where like if you have a piece of wood and it's gnarly and crooked, you're not going to bother straightening it. You're going to get a wood, piece of wood that's actually straight and then build whatever it is you're building. So, and then the third statement is, uh, salvation is not in works or wisdom. So Solomon says, um, with much increase in knowledge results in increase in pain, and with much increase in wisdom, there's much increase in grief. So that's verse 18 and uh, similar, similar statements. Uh, and with wealth, too, he says, wealth isn't going to fix this. Even wisdom isn't going to fix this. Uh, so that was probably our best hope uh, under the sun, is wisdom. And Solomon, the wisest man ever, says it's, it's not going to work. This, this knife cuts both ways. The more wisdom, the more knowledge you have, in fact, it's gonna hurt you because it's, it's a sorrow. And I don't think ignorance is bliss, but under the sun, if you just fully realize your bankruptcy without Christ, it's, gonna, it's more just gonna hurt than uh, make, you, make you solve, make, it's gonna lead you to Christ, I think, is, is if, you, if you grow in wisdom and grow in wisdom and grow in wisdom, um, I think wisdom is in the scriptures. There's worldly wisdom, and it's not true. It's not true wisdom. It doesn't hold up. It's not lasting. If we can go to the next slide. This is my last slide. As my other side of the coin to salvation is not in wisdom, I have a slide that says salvation is in Christ alone. And outside of Christ, there is no salvation. There's nothing under the sun that can save us. 
And so I have here, don't be foolish and repeat Solomon's madness and folly. He, he accuses himself and he says, I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. Um, and if you look at Adam and Eve in the garden, they knew a certain amount and then they knew more once they'd eaten of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. And so don't repeat this madness and folly. If you read this book and listen to this ongoing series and, and read deeply into what the Bible is saying, it's, it's saying sin destroys you. And so repent of sin and turn to Christ and, and stay repented of sin and, and keep facing away from it. You know, to repent means to turn around. So when you're facing one way, if, if you're on that side of the coin, on, on the looking at the negatives, you have to turn around, stay turned around. Turn to Christ, turn to God. And uh, with Christ, like I've, I've been saying this a bit too in, 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 the, in the quotes and stuff, um, there is abundant life. There's newness of life. There's meaningful work that counts in light of eternity. And there's a peace that pa surpasses understanding. And this is one of my favorite litmus tests for the Christian walk is uh, this verse. To live is blank and to die is blank, right? So every once in a while, it's always good to ask yourself and to ask young people and everyone and and to ask, which is it for you? To live is Christ, and to die is gain. A lot of the time it's easy to get mixed up in priorities and realize that the way I'm living, I'm thinking, well, to live, I'll, I'll get this and I'll get that, and to live is to gain. And to die, well, I'll go to heaven and, I'll, and then I'll have Christ. And this is so easy to get your wires crossed and to, to be caught up in the wrong things. But really, it, the way it should be is to live as Christ. And that's why we're here. We have, a, we have work to do, um, work that counts in light of eternity, to be yoked to Christ and uh, to, to witness to people and to become fools for Christ and, and to not really worry about reputation or whatever it is that God asks of you be willing to give it up for Christ's sake, the one who gave up all for us, and to die is gain. What could be better? To be with the Lord. Um, but it's a constant surrender. So that is a lot, that's a, a lot to think about very quickly. I hope I've done a, a fair job of summarizing the content of it. By itself, it would probably just bless your boots right off. Everything is meaningless. <laughs> uh, but I tried to put in the, the other side as much as possible because we have the Bible and it informs us of God and his love for us and it informs us of Christ and his sacrifice that gives us life. And so I hope this has been encouraging to you and uh, informative for you. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus, for his sacrifice on the cross and for what he has done for us to totally change our lives, to totally change our philosophy. Uh, I pray that we would never be stuck 
in uh, that you would help us to never be stuck in a light at the end of the tunnel kind of life where we um, don't realize that there is no tunnel anymore, that there is no darkness around us and that this life here is full of newness and full of the salvation that you've given us. And uh, yes, there's a light at the end and uh, we're thankful for that as well, Lord. So we thank you for the awesomeness of who you are and what you've done for us. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Amen.